Good morning. Welcome to worship on this Labor Day weekend. Welcome to all of you who have gathered here and also to those who are live streaming or watching this service later. These are strange times, but it's still a blessing for us to gather, whether physically or remotely, in worship to continue the conversation that we have with the Lord week after week, where we speak to Him and where we hear Him speak to us. Just as a reminder, as a church, we're in the pattern again of gathering twice on Sundays. We're gathering at 9.30 here in the sanctuary, and this service is live-streamed, available as a high-definition video later. Um, just this week, we're beginning to have a live video feed during the service in our fellowship hall. So if you're not quite ready to be in the sanctuary, or you have little kids who need a little bit more wiggle room, or whatever the case may be, uh, you're welcome to be in the fellowship hall during the service. We're also gathering at 6 o'clock Sunday evenings, generally outside on the southeast lawn, but if the Lord decides to gift, gift us with rain, then we'll gather in the fellowship hall. Uh, we'll make that decision and have a social media post up by 5 o'clock on Sunday evening, or you can just show up and kind of see where the people are. Finally, for announcements today, this is, well, this is not an announcement, but we are going to have an unusual ministry year. It's, it's been a strange 2020. It'll continue to be not our normal state of affairs, but we as a church want to continue to prioritize being God's people. We want to gather for worship. We want to encourage spiritual growth. We want to fellowship with each other, and we want to reach out to the world in gospel and service work. Um, we're still working as a church how to do all of those things this year. A lot of our ministries will look very different than they have in the past. Some won't be happening for a season. Most will be, but we're still working out those details. So if you're a ministry leader trying to think through how you can lead your ministry well this year, we'd like to invite you to take part in a Zoom conversation this week, Thursday evening at 7. Details are in the bulletin, or you can contact the church office to get connected to that. Everyone is welcome to come, but we're especially focusing on ministry leaders and answering any questions you might have, trying to help you plan well for the year ahead. We are in strange and changing times, but the Lord is always faithful, and so we gather to worship Him. So hear this call to worship from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. And now, please stand to receive God's greeting as we gather to worship Him. Receive this greeting from the Lord. You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. In this conversation that we have in worship, the Lord always speaks first, but He always also invites us to respond to Him, to bring Him our prayers and our praises. To do that now in response to God's greeting, let's together sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.
together profess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. And, and in one sense, this creed is a list of some of the most important things we believe as Christians. But in another sense, and some of you have heard me say this before, in another sense, the Apostles' Creed is a story. It's a story that takes us from creation and brings us on through God's mighty works and brings us all the way through to our resurrection and our life eternal with Him. So let's profess our faith, the, the key components of what we believe, and at the same time, let's tell each other the story of, of where we've come from and where we are all going. Let's together profess our faith. And we can celebrate the life everlasting that God has given us because Christ the Lord has risen. So now let's together proclaim that Christ the Lord is risen today and forever.
One uh, announcement for your continued prayer. Teresa Folkert's experienced some vertigo, some dizziness, and has been in the hospital and then in a uh, rehab place the last little bit. She was hoping to go home today or perhaps tomorrow. So pray for continued progress for Teresa. And now let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we have gathered here this morning and we come to you because you are our only hope. And so, Father, we put our trust in you. And we trust that you are continuing to work all things out according to your purpose. And we trust that your plan will prevail. And yet, Father, we are impatient. And so we ask again that you bring justice, hope, and peace to this world. Where there is hunger, bring food. Where there is drought and thirst, send refreshing rains. Where there is hatred, bring peace. Across our own nation and across the whole world, we pray for those who govern. Teach them, teach them undeniably that you are the ruler of all and that they, even though they may wield much power, they are only your instruments and your servants. Grant our leaders wisdom for their difficult decisions and courage to do what is right, even when it's difficult. We pray, too, for those who are commissioned to bring order and to serve justice. We pray especially for Jason Turner this week as he begins military chaplaincy training. And we pray also for Ben and Dan Tobin as they serve in the armed forces. And we pray too for our police, for our firefighters, for our first responders, for all those who work to make our lives better and to keep us safe. Enable them to do their work well and to make this life a little bit better. Father, we look at this world and we see so much evil. But when we look at our lives honestly, we also, we see so much that's wrong with us. We confess that we break your commandments all the time. We ignore your teaching and your guidance. We choose our own will over your will. And we ask that because of Christ's work that you continue to forgive us. We pray that through your Holy Spirit you heal us and make us able not to sin. We ask also that you give us the strength that we need to endure the after effects of sin and the consequences of evil in this world. Help us to endure the suffering that all of us face in greater or lesser measure. We pray for all those who are going through hard times physically or emotionally or spiritually or in any way. Grant assurance to those with doubts and questions. Bring hope to those who feel endlessly discouraged. Grant relief to those who are struggling with pain, with sickness, with poor health. Bless those who who don't have enough work or who don't have work at all. Lord, we pray that you give Teresa Folkert specifically a good recovery and enable her to return home today or if not today in the very near future. Loving God, we know and we trust that you have that you have accomplished victory over the forces of sin and death, and that in our lives we will someday see and experience that victory completely. And so we pray that the hope and the joy of the resurrection would conquer our present fear and worry. Give us your never-ending peace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give just a brief offering update this week as we have been doing. We continue to ask that you give financially to our various causes here at Faith and we are grateful for your continued faithfulness. We're hoping to begin taking some form of in-person offering in the weeks ahead, but we just aren't quite there yet, but hopefully a couple weeks down the line we'll get there. And we do encourage you as much as possible to continue giving online. 
We also ask that just as you continue to support the church financially, that you support us in prayer, and also that in every area of life, with whatever gifts you've received from the Lord, that you serve others, whether that be with your money, with your time, with your prayers, with, with acts that, that care for other people, however you can serve, however you can give, we pray that you continue to do so. And now as we uh, reflect on how God has blessed us, we're going to sing a song of thanksgiving. Let's stand and together sing, Come, ye thankful people, come. up our Ecclesiastes sermon series today. We're going to be reading Ecclesiastes 11.7 to verse 12.8 this morning. We actually read the end of the book last week, chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. So we're going a little bit out of order for these couple messages and just a brief word of explanation for that. Uh, first, I have a guest who I'll introduce at the end of this sermon, and he's going to help us wrap up this sermon and think through what what we do in response to what this text tells us, and this was the week that worked for him to come, so there was that. But then also, Ecclesiastes actually, as a book, has two conclusions. It has the conclusion that we read last week that's sort of a stepping back and reflecting on the whole theme of the book, but throughout the book, there's this teacher who speaks to us, this, this figure who's called teacher or preacher or, or leader, 
And this is his conclusion. This is the last time in the book that he speaks directly to us. So we're going to land this sermon series by listening to this teacher one last time. And this particular text, well, it's good to end with because it focuses on the end of life. It brings us to reflect on what it means that we all grow old and die. And at the same time, it brings us to reflect on the end of life in the sense of the goal of life, what we look for, what we live for. So we're going to read this text and then reflect on how we live in light of the reality that we do not live forever. So hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless." Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed, and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. And this is the word of the Lord for us today. You may have noticed that the word remember showed up several times in that text and so as we journey through this text in the sermon, we're, we're going to focus on that theme of remembering. So every step along the way will begin with remember. And the first step on this, this path that we're going to walk this morning is to remember that we all grow old. We all grow old. Terry Pratchett is a best-selling English author. He, he's written many, many best-selling books. And in one of his books, he has this line. I think we can put it up on the screen a second. Inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. Let me say that again. Inside every old person is a young person wondering, what happened? Now, Pratchett was about 40 when he wrote that, and, and when he got into his late 50s, he started having those senior moments that he couldn't find his shoes, he couldn't remember where he put his keys every now and then, he'd button his shirt wrong, and it just was kind of humiliating. So he and his friends started making jokes about it, about, about how, yeah, you know, I had a senior moment, and, and laugh it off, because if they're all growing old together, then, then we're not really growing old, right? We all, we all think that we're not going to grow old. 
We know that that happens to everybody else, but we don't really believe that it's going to happen to us. I think most adults, regardless of our actual age, in our heads, we still think we're about 20. It's just that over the years, our bodies come to disagree with us more and more. And, and you find that in the morning, you're a little stiffer and there's more creaking and popping as you get up. The, the soundtrack of your body becomes a little less pleasant. And you start losing hair some places and it starts showing up out of other places that you never thought it would. And it gets to be a little, a little bit of a drag. And those of you who are older than me are thinking, oh, just wait till you get a bit older, Pastor Matthew. You have no idea what's coming, but wait till the next decade comes. And those of you who are younger than me are probably still thinking, that's not going to happen to me. It might happen to everybody else, but it's not going to happen to me. But it does, and it will. The first few verses of chapter 12 give us a description of growing old in a number of images. So let's, let's work through that again. I'm going to try to make explicit what those images are trying to show us. So chapter 12 begins by telling us to remember our Creator when we're young, before the days of trouble come and the years add up. And then it says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, before, before your vision starts to fade and fail and you need glasses or even glasses don't do it anymore and the world gets to be a bit darker. Remember the Lord before the keepers of the house start to tremble. When we grow old, our, our arms and our legs start, start to shake, and they can't do what they used to be able to do. When the grinders cease because they are few, when your teeth wear down and maybe even start to fall out because they've been used for so long, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when you rise at the sound of the birds, but their sounds are faint. Before your hearing starts to go and the whole world gets quieter and quieter and you wonder why nobody speaks up like they used to when you were younger. Before your hearing starts to fade. When the almond tree blossoms and is covered by gray. And almond trees, at least in the ones these people were familiar with, their blossoms were a sort of grayish white. Before your hair starts to turn from whatever color it began to be gray and white. When the grasshopper drags himself along, before your body perpetually drags you down instead of, instead of carrying you along with the vigor of youth. Ecclesiastes at the beginning of chapter 12 gives us this whole body, whole life picture of growing old and, and all the things that fall apart as the years pass us by. And if we stick around on this earth long enough, this happens to all of us. You don't have to like it. Very few of us do. You can deny it. You can try to fight it off, but, but we will all grow old. Remember that. We all grow old. And the teacher shows us that reality, and he, he gives us all those kind of whole body pictures so that we really listen and we really remember. We, we always want to push old age off. And, and even if we're 95, we still talk about the old people who are over 100. It never, never goes away. We always think we're young. So we need to be shaken up a little bit to, to really grasp this reality. And the teacher wants us to get that. He wants us, well, he has this kind of realistic, cynical side that he wants us to really get in touch with. But he doesn't want us to stop there. He goes on to show us hope. 
And so the teacher tells us in this passage, not just remember that we all grow old, but remember that we all grow old. And so right now, whatever stage of life you're at, right now, enjoy your life. We all grow old. Our lives come and go. But that is no reason to live in despair, says the teacher. The teacher is not some old grump saying to us, our lives are short. You're young, but someday you're going to be old like me. Ha, ha, ha. That's not what the teacher is doing. What the teacher is doing is saying our lives are short. You may be young, you may be old, but live every day. Enjoy the life that you have. However many moments you have, make the very best of them. Live to the fullest in this world that God has made. If we back up to the beginning of the verses that we read, in chapter 11, the teacher says, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. And what he's saying is, however many years you live, enjoy them all. Be happy while you're young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Enjoy every sunny day you experience. On, on days like today, go dance in the rain if you're up for it. Enjoy the snow when the seasons turn. Watch the leaves change colors. And, and then again in a few months, welcome the coming of spring and things becoming green again. Throw away your anxiety and live. Take great vacations. Read good books. Spend good time with family and friends. Enjoy your hobbies. Life is short. But there is so much goodness in it. And so, says the teacher, we as God's people, we as believers, we have every reason, even though we grow old, not to grow cranky or grumpy or bitter, but instead to enjoy the days that God has given us. And there are ways that we could and maybe should qualify this, that that we should enjoy life in the way that God designed us to, that we shouldn't just enjoy selfish pleasures, but but we should care for other people. And that's all true, but, but the predominant note of this passage is just joy. Enjoy your life. Rejoice in what God has given you. God is a wonderful creator and And even though this world is twisted and broken by sin, it is still a place that is marked by His hand and a place that He's given us in which to really live. So remember, remember, remember that even you, and hard as it it is to say, remember that even I will grow old. But in light of that, Enjoy every day as if it were worth a million dollars, because it really is worth more than that. And enjoy every day as a gift from the Lord to you. So the teacher in Ecclesiastes takes us there. He tells us to to remember that we all grow old and so enjoy life now. But then there's another step that he takes. He goes on and he tells us, remember that we all die. We all grow old, but enjoy life, but we all die. The party always ends. So enjoy life while you can, but, but someday, no matter how many good moments you have, your moments will run out. And just like it did with growing old, this text gives us some different images for, for passing away, for dying. There's a time when every person goes to their eternal home and the mourners are in the streets. 
There's a time that comes when the silver cord is severed and the lamp falls to the ground and it's shattered and its light, its life disappears. There's a time when the golden bowl is broken and its contents spill away. There's a time when the pitcher is shattered at the well and, and no more water, no more life is carried in it. There's a time that the wheel breaks, that the dust returns to the ground from whence it came. From There's a time that our body grinds to a halt and our spirit returns from the place that it came. For all of us, one way or another, a day will come when our body will break and grind to a halt and stop forever. We can and we should enjoy every day and every moment as a gift from the Lord, but, but the clock slices away our moments bit by bit, and it never, ever, ever, ever stops slicing away our lives, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. Terry Pratchett, the, uh, the author who wrote that phrase about inside every young, old person is a young person wondering what happened. Well, when he got to his upper 50s, he started to have more and more of those senior moments, and they became really rather frightening. As a 59-year-old, he, he couldn't button his shirts right. He'd button them, and he'd go out in public, and people would say, how did you mess that up? He totally lost the ability to tie a tie. He couldn't find his shoes. He felt like he was playing a game of hide-and-seek with himself every morning and losing. And then the point came when he would be sitting at the table and there'd be a teacup in front of him, and he was English, so it was always tea, but there'd be this teacup in front of him and he couldn't see it. And then if his wife said, there's your teacup right there, all of a sudden, he could. And he put up with it for a while, but at some point it was clear this was not right. So he went to his doctor and and his doctor tried to put him off, and he went back and said, no, this is not right. We need to do something. So he went through a whole battery of tests, went to specialist after specialist, and eventually he got diagnosed with a form of early-onset Alzheimer's at 59. And he was so young that the specialists in that field, some of them wouldn't even see him because he was under 65. There's no way you have this. Go away and come back in six years. And so Pratchett raged. Life going away bit by bit, senior moments, hair going away, getting a little more heavy, all those things he could deal with, but not this. Not this life being taken away moment by moment, not losing himself bit by bit with a sure destination of a miserable death. Not this, says Pratchett. And so he spent the last few years of his life, he wrote a number of other really great best-selling books, and, and he lectured, and he wrote essays, and, and one of the causes that he took up in his rage about what was going to happen to him was the cause of assisted suicide, the cause of being able to say, I can end my life whenever and however I want, and no one should be able to tell me anything about that. Pratchett decided that if he couldn't have the long, full life that he wanted, that he wanted to die when he chose, how he chose, based on his own will. Growing old I can deal with, but this kind of death, no. And we might all respond a little bit differently when death comes from being that thing far, far away to that thing that's right in front of us, when we, when we know what's going to get us, when we know that the end is coming soon. And often... 
often, rightfully so, we rage at that. Not us, not me, not now. Growing old is one thing, but death, death is another. And whenever we come face to face with our own death in the mirror, we want to look away. We want to back off. We want to cover over that mirror because we don't want to grapple with that reality. But the teacher comes to us and with, with a number of images, perhaps, perhaps to try to be a little bit gentle, he tells us, no, this will happen to you too. The day will come when the lamp of your body breaks and your, your light, your life disappears. The day will come when the golden bowl of your life will shatter and your life will run away. It will happen to all of us. But as always, the teacher brings us to that reality in order to, to open the door to light through that darkness. And in this text, he tells us to remember that we all die. And then along with that, he tells us, so remember the Lord. Remember that even you, even me, will pass away. But in light of that, remember the Lord. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember your Creator before the dark days come. Remember your Creator. Everything comes and goes. Even we come and go, but the Lord stays the same. And in the Lord, we still die. The Lord has not chosen to change that reality for us, His people. But in the Lord, we do not, we do not stay dead. Jesus Christ himself blazed a path into death and through death and out the other side into the resurrection. And because we serve a Lord who has gone through death and defeated death, death for us now is not the end. It's not the final destination. It's a stop on the passage. It's a stop we all have to make unless the Lord Jesus comes back before we pass away. But it is just that. It is a station, a waiting place, a, a place we go through, but not a place that we end up if we are in Christ. And that is the message that Ecclesiastes wants us to hear at the end, that yes, we grow old, yes, we even die. But that's not the end of the story. The story begins and the story ends with remember your Creator. Like we said with the Apostles' Creed earlier, this story begins with God making everything and it ends with us living a life, a resurrected, everlasting life with the Lord. The Bible's realism about death makes us face our own mortality as much as we don't want to. But the Bible's realism about the hope we have in Christ opens up a door into the light. It shows us that we can look through death but death is, is just a stopping point along the way. And then we get to experience life eternal with our Lord Jesus Christ. Our story and the story of the world does not end in tragedy. We are not in a narrative that's, that's leading onward to doom. We're in a comedy. We're in a story where joy and laughter have the last word. There are hard parts along the way, but at the end of our story... We will laugh and we will smile and all our tears and all our mourning and all our sadness and all our grief will be wiped away by our living Lord Himself. If we remember 
the Lord. If we remember the Lord, then we can face death without fear. And if we remember the Lord and we can face death without fear, then we can face growing old without fear. And if we remember the Lord and so we can face death without fear and so we can face growing old without fear, then we're set free to enjoy every day and every moment that the Lord blesses us with. When we remember, when we remember the Lord in all of our lives, then we are set free to live. And we're going to keep talking about that now, but in a little different way. Bob, if you want to go ahead and come up now. So Bob Van Staldinen is a member of Lombard CRC, one of our neighboring CRC congregations. He's also a funeral director at Knollcrest Funeral Home. And many of us, many of us have uh, visited Bob professionally. We've had family members pass away, your friends. And we've also, I think in different ways, gotten to know Bob as a person over the years. I think, I don't know how many dozen funerals we've done together, Bob, but it's, it's been a lot. A, lot. a lot, a lot over the years. So when I laid out Ecclesiastes and I realized toward the end we'd be reflecting on death, I thought Bob would really be a good person to have come and just share with us, have us reflect a bit on how we live as believers in the light of death. Bob probably has the most experience of that of any of us in the room. So thanks for coming, Bob. Appreciate it. Uh, Bob and I talked through some questions, so I'll ask him some questions, and we're just going to spend some time having a conversation. One of the challenges we face as a faith community is that sometimes we don't want to talk about the hard things, so this is going to be a conversation where we talk about the hardest thing of all, and, and you're certainly welcome down the road to get in touch with Bob. He has uh, some things he can give you, some materials and such, but, but to get some wisdom about how to face death, how to face your own death, how to face the death of loved ones. So, Bob, let me start with this question. Looking back, what, what motivated you to get into such a hard line of work? Yeah. Oh, that, that's a good question. Uh, certainly, Matthew, I did not growing up think I'd ever be an underdog. Uh, <laughs> Nobody anyone does. Anyone I ever knew that did struck me as kind of weird, but this just kind of happened. I was in college and uh, uh, couldn't decide as I went in pre-med, if that's what I wanted, and I didn't like the idea of all those years of education and debt. And I talked with my father about going into the ministry. As some of you know, he was a pastor. And that kind of worked, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to move all over the country. Back in those days, it was life was a little different. And this just kind of happened. A, a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me uh, in pre-med had moved off campus to live at a funeral home because... Mm. Uh, for some of you who are younger than me, uh, you may not know this, but there used to not be cell phones. <laughs> there used to be the only kind of phone that had a dial on it that you put your finger in and turned, and there wasn't call forwarding or call waiting. Someone physically had to be there to answer the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So we would go over, a um, bunch of college students, and sit with him, watch TV, whatever. Well, he heard of an opening at another funeral home and, you know, paid some money and you had to be in seven to seven. Well, that's not a bad gig for a college kid. Well, the, the man liked me. Uh, when I got done with college, he said I'd send me on to mortuary school if I agreed to stay on with him. And so it just kind of happened. Hmm. Um, but it, it, as I look back now, I see that God moved me that way you know, the blessing of having grown up in a parsonage with my mom and dad, and, and in those days, churches ran a little different. Certainly, we were a rural 
pastor's family, so the church and the parsonage were usually on the same property. My mother never got up in the morning not dressed and ready to come downstairs. My father laid out clothes at night so that should someone call in the middle of the night and needed his pastor, he was ready to go. The car always had gas in it. And I still live that way, um, even though as I've gotten older now and the body doesn't do what, I, what it used to do, I, I still live that way, ready to go if someone needs me. Um, so that's what got me into it, um, but certainly nothing I ever thought about. <laughs> it wasn't the plan, huh? No, no, it wasn't the plan. Yep. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting how you talk about how, on the one hand, it wasn't the plan. On the other hand, you can look back and see God providentially leading in different ways. And I think a lot of us can think over the course of our life of, we didn't expect we'd end up here, but we see how the Lord prepared us to come here. Well, what, you know, this, you are not in an easy line of work. So what sustained you emotionally and spiritually over the years dealing with death all the time? Well, that's a hard question, and as every kindergartner here knows that pastor asks you a hard question in church. The right answer is always Jesus. <laughs> but truly, Matthew, that, that is my answer. Um, I, faith came to me as an, as an early child, early in my life, and has always sustained me. Um, a good friend of mine once asked me that same question, and I pondered it and talked with him later, but um, I had, he had lost his wife suddenly, and I walking out to the car with him crying and I was crying too and we put some flowers in his trunk and he prepared to leave and as he backed up to leave I walked over to another car who just pulled in and helped a widow out of the car with clothes for her husband and he called me later on that night and said how do you do this you cry with me you cry with the next and I said to my friend you don't get it the greatest gift I get is being able to walk alongside someone when they cannot do for themselves. And I don't think that I'm unique in that, Matthew. I think anyone who has given their life in service of any kind of job, mm -hmm. the greatest joy and fulfillment we feel is when we can walk alongside those who can't do for themselves. That is when we become the hands and feet of our Savior for them. And we hope that they see Jesus in our faith. Mm -hmm. It is in that that I find my, mm -hmm. my strength to face day by day by day. Hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's interesting you, you say it that way. As, I, as you were talking, I was thinking of our congregation, and we have a lot of people in the medical field in different ways um, who might give a similar answer to what you give, because in medicine, you, well, it doesn't always, it always ends in death eventually, but there's a lot of hard things along the way, and one of the joys that I hear our medical professionals talk about is the ability to walk with people through some of those difficult times. Thinking in terms of careers of service, I think also of the many teachers, many people in education we have in our congregation. And this may be the toughest year of all of your lives if you're a teacher in terms of COVID and all the precautions and the remote or in person, all that. But I hear similar themes sometime of just the opportunity to serve, to help the next generation, to help people grow. Well, let me ask you another question, Bob. What what practices do you think help people prepare well for death? That, that's a very, a very good question in this time <laughs> of uh, pandemic because we've certainly seen that, uh, boy, as a society, we are not propelled, prepared well for the question that we're facing, uh, that death is existence. We have a little sign in, in, uh, in, in a room that's uh, 10 out of 10 people 
die from death. And this country is just not so obvious with the, the, the uh, fear and actual anger that we see amongst uh, people in society that are not prepared for the fact that death will come to all of us. Um, some of the things that, that I think help us prepare is not morbid conversation or flippant conversation about the truth that we shall all die, but to take it in a way that's serious and thoughtful with our families and those we love, uh, preparing those who we leave behind for the truth that that will have needs to occur early in their life. Uh, I think one of the great gifts that we can give our children it is pets because they want to cover your children's ears at this point, but most of us know that people, humans, live 70 to 80 years on average, and pets do not. So most of our children will experience the death of a pet if they have one. Now we want to teach them that that doesn't mean we don't want to love our kitten, dog, little fish. We don't want the joy of that to be missed in their life, but they have to understand that they will experience loss, and that loss is painful but the memories that we can cherish of our time. We have, uh, we have one of those little frames in our house that keeps showing electric pictures. And one of them is with my dog that I had for 15 years. And I always tell my grandchildren the stories of, of the love I had for my dog so that they know that even though my dog isn't there anymore, I haven't lost the love and affection and that those were good things for me. I think some of the other things that we need to do, uh, I think attending visitations and funerals aspect of preparing ourselves for that day and our families. Uh, I count it a blessing that I get to walk through cemeteries and be reminded of those who came before us that life is precious and people who live well uh, and have done so much for us and what, what we need to do to be faithful behind. But uh, to train our families to, to have honest and frank conversations about the fact that we will all die, and we will leave pain in that. But if we, if we choose to love, we choose to someday have pain. Our only option then is to choose not to love, and to not love makes us a narcissist. So, or, so let us not choose not to love. Let us choose to love, but knowing that we will experience loss. Mm -hmm. And we need to train our families for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you, as you began, I thought of the story of Terry Pratchett that I shared earlier and his just rage when he received his diagnosis. And I think, I wonder, too strong to say I think, because I've just been thinking about this for about three minutes, but I wonder if part of the angst and the anger that surrounds this pandemic is us as a society having to face the reality that we are not immortal, imperishable, all-powerful beings, but but that we will pass away and that life is not always going to be exactly how we want it to be. Um, and I got to say, I didn't see the pet thing coming, but that, that's certainly an angle on having pets that is, uh, having pets is training for all kinds of things, I guess, dealing well with, with the end of life is part of that. I never thought of that before. Um, maybe a couple more questions. Uh, what, maybe this isn't a question you can answer real well, but, but what do you wish people knew before they showed up at your funeral home? What, what do you wish people maybe had thought about or had practiced in their life before they show up at your doorway? 
Well, from a practical standpoint, um, you know, a lot of times as I'm walking out of church, I'll have uh, members of our congregation to ask, should I come and make plans ahead of time? Well, you know, so many of the things your children are going to know, your family, find your social security number, make sure you know where your discharge papers are if you're a veteran. But some of the things that your family often doesn't know is what are your favorite scriptures, passages, what are your great hobbies, um, what are your favorite hymns and songs, because those are the questions. Um, if there's a flower you don't like, I'll, I'll never forget uh, some daughters uh, had picked out a flower piece to put on their mother's casket, and it was all gladiolas, and then their aunt walked in and said, why'd you put gladiolas on your mother's casket? She hated gladiolas. <laughs> and and uh, they were mortified, of course, and wanted to change out the flower piece, which we did. But the reality is, have open conversations with us. And I also want you to remember, to, if you're going to make conversations about your death and your funeral plans, remember, you're the only one not there. It's really, the funeral services are for the living, and so you want to take their needs, their desires, and their wishes into account. So it really should never be done in a vacuum. It should always be done as a family planning um, time together. So that would be what I would add about, about funerals. All right, well, we're uh, getting close to the time we need to wrap up, so let me just throw an open-ended question. Is there anything else you want to share with us in this particular time and place? Yeah, we are in church, so I can do a bit of a sermon here on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I so often hear good Christian folks say, it's just about, what does it matter? I want you to take a moment and look next to the person next to you that you love and care about. Folks, that's not a candy wrapper. It really isn't. It's not something we tear up and discard because the only thing worthwhile is inside. That body that you sit next to, that you love, that's a physical manifestation. It is a gift from God, given to you by God. We were knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And more importantly, we are the seed. What we plant mortal, our Lord will raise immortal. So how we care for our bodies that are fearfully and wonderfully made matters. So I, I want you to remember that, that, that you are not just a candidate. That's a great sentence to end on. You are not just a candy wrapper. <laughs> well, thanks, Bob, for being here. Really appreciate it. I, I hope that all of you have benefited from this conversation. Uh, I certainly have enjoyed hearing some of your thoughts, Bob, because we, we do funerals, but we don't often talk about funerals together. So that's been good for me. Uh, if you want to take a seat, I'm going to yep. wrap up with a couple things. Um, and feel free to, it looks like it's not raining outside, so we can kind of hang out a little bit afterwards in the parking lot if you want to catch Bob a bit. Otherwise... Um, well, he's easy to find. He answers the phone 24-7. <laughs> I, um, I had a little bit of a different conclusion in mind, but I actually want to wrap up this sermon to, uh, to take you to something I always say at committal services. When we're standing by a grave, when we're about, well, the body's about to get lowered into the ground, uh, and Bob's talking about we're not just kind of a wrapper around what's important. But one of the things, I don't say it all the time, but one of the things that I try to say at every committal is to point at the casket and say, this body will rise. Because if we belong to Jesus Christ, then, then all of us will rise. And not as some disembodied sort of whatever being, but, but as who we are. We'll receive new, better bodies from the Lord. And so we live 
We live this life in gratitude to the Lord, and we look forward to a new life when all of our bodies will rise again to be like Jesus' perfect body. Let me wrap up this sermon with prayer. Well, Father, we thank you for the community that you give to us. We thank you for the ways that we walk this journey of life together. We pray that you help us to enjoy each other's company every day we have together. Help us to be grateful for the lives that you've given us, for the family, for the friends, for the church, for the churches, for all the different ways that you have built human connections into who we are. And Father, we thank you for the connection that you have created with us through, through creating us and also through Jesus Christ dying and rising again and bringing us into new life. Father, we thank you that, that this world is not the whole story and that this life, when it comes to an end, is not, is not the end for us truly. Father, we pray that you renew our hope so that in that hope we can live well and enjoy every day you've given us. Amen. Let's stand in just a moment. We'll sing, He leadeth me. Let's commit ourselves to follow the Lord and also receive this assurance that He does lead us. We do ask that after the service, you step outside. It's not raining right now, so you may be able to talk for a bit, but just as part of our usual pattern, we ask that you step out after the service, fellowship outdoors. You're invited to come back at 6 tonight. Uh, depending on the weather, we may be outside or inside in the fellowship hall, but we will worship and hear the word of the Lord Regardless, let's now stand and sing, He Leadeth Me, verses 1 and 3.